sexy Brad Pitt. Yo, pass that. Are this <laughs> Are this moon pirates? Papa? Daddy? Is that you, Daddy? Oh. <laughs> Take off your fucking spacesuit, Brad. We bought a dad mm. in space. Hello, and thanks for Neptuning in this week for <laughs> We Bought a Mic. Oh, well, I oh, if we're doing that, I, I have another one. Mm-hmm. So 2019 is the year of Daddy Brad Pitt. Both that we've seen him be a daddy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and now we've seen him with daddy issues mm-hmm. in Ad Astra. That's true. He's for people with daddy issues, but also he's got his own to yeah. contend with. Is Tommy Lee Jones daddy? Oof. Mm. He's Brad. Braddy's daddy. He was big time uggo in this movie. Yeah, he is gross looking. Brad's like, I grew up and look like that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Welcome to We Bought a Mic and Entertainment Podcast. With every week, we talk space, the final frontier, a healthy mix of fun banter and careful critical analysis. Mm -hmm. It's space. Mm -hmm. I'm Ernest. I am Hunter. Whoa. (laughs) Good point. I'm. Drew, and today we're talking about a little movie that we were all very excited for. Uh, needless to say, we were, we were, I was, I mean, personally, I was very hyped for it. I, the trailer really got me going. I think I was a little too excited for this one. Maybe. This, this is Maybe. one of those um, uh, victims of the overhypeness. Okay, well, that. Because Twitter was calling this movie, some folks who may remain nameless. At certain uh, podcast conglomerates, called this movie a masterpiece. And if you think this movie's a masterpiece, go for it. Go for it. You know, if you if it resonated that much with you, I love you for it. But I went into this movie knowing that people were calling it a masterpiece, and it it, it kind of like impacted my uh reception of it a little bit so that's it's interesting normally i kind of have a feel for your guys general vibe before we do the podcast today Mm -hmm. we have not the three of us have not discussed this movie at all we should talk less so yeah (laughs) (laughs) i really did not know but i'll tell you guys Movie is kind of a masterpiece oh and i and ad astra i think that this is Arguably the best space movie of the 2010s. Holy shit. Okay. You were were a big First Man guy. I love First Man. I think that this is probably on the same tier as First Man. I think this is a better movie than Gravity. I think it's a better movie than Interstellar. Um, Yeah. This movie really works for me. Um, The Martian's good. It's funny. Um, It's... We got to circle back to the Interstellar bit in spoilers because it's funny... (laughs) How this movie kind of grapples with some of the same themes a little bit oh, in a completely so, different way. So, um, my uh, my thought walking out of the theater because a lot of people were comparing this movie to two thousand one. Um, right, exactly. That was, a lot of people, that was the other hype machine. It's two thousand one meets Apocalypse Now. No, so that's the thing is it's a lot more Apocalypse Now. Like it is very. If you've ever seen Apocalypse Now. That is a huge thing of this movie. A lot of similarities between those two movies. It's especially fresh in my mind because we just saw it like mm-hmm. less than a month ago. Mm-hmm. But, but this is in space. Yeah, and um, 
so I, I saw this movie and then immediately I, I will say I saw this movie in the only full IMAX screen that we have here in Orlando. Oh, you went down Regal the way Point. Over there. Um, oh, fuck and yeah. That's why you think it's, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> oh my god, this is one of the best IMAX yeah. movies that like I've ever seen. Hunter, like, Hunter was, saw this in a fucking planetarium. <laughs> this <laughs> he was is, alone. I, I mean I can't if you listeners have an IMAX like a full IMAX screen anywhere near you. Go see this movie on the biggest possible screen because. So was most it included movies, in your Regal Unlimited? You didn't have. To I paid pay? a fee. I paid like a six dollar fee or something like that, but okay. it was worth it to see. Okay. I got a cool little fun patch. Oh, um, yeah, that's mm. yeah, pretty neat. You guys yeah, did check you it see out it in or... IMAX? No, Ernest? no. Let me go on a, on a little little thing here. So <laughs> I was a proud A lister. Yeah. And I went to my local AMC that I always go to. Oh, he's holding the patch. Yeah, I got a sweet little space patch. And I'm ready to go see Ad Astra Friday night in IMAX. It's not full IMAX at our local AMC, but it is LIMAX. It's a huge screen. Mm -hmm. And I was so ready for it. I walk up to the movie theater. They don't have power. All screenings canceled for the day. Mm -hmm. And I I just stood there for a second. I was like, but but I was going to go see a... With Brad Pitt so, in space. So you didn't watch Ad Astra. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's <laughs> so how you're judging it. I, 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 I read the Wikipedia and it just didn't work for me. <laughs> I was thinking like, okay, do I don't see it today? Do I go somewhere else? What, what do I do? So I decided to drive to our local Regal. And I signed up for Regal Unlimited. Oh, oh, you're a Regal Unlimited boy. Yes. Now. I'm making the switch. And the only showtime they had was for a regular-sized plebeian screen. Not even RPX. Not even RPX, but mm. that Regal does have some very comfortable chairs. Mm-hmm. And the sound system was good, and the projection quality was good. But it was not a giant screen. Uh, maybe that impacted my opinion of the movie a little bit. I, I gotta say, I still really love the movie. I mean, I'm not gonna call it a masterpiece. I, I think there's plenty of issues with it, but without getting into too many plot specifics or anything like that, the fact that this is a big, like, $100 million plus production studio movie that doesn't end in a giant CGI fight with a big blue beam or a giant well, faceless there's, army. There's a big blue beam. <laughs> but you you get what I'm saying. No, I know you It's mean. not like no. it does Brad Pitt is not a superhero in this movie. It's Mm-mm. not trying to be this like big epic uh Star Wars or anything like that. And it I from the trailers I I get that they're kind of like making people maybe think that it is an action movie. And yeah, has, I will say the trailers are misleading for this movie. It has like some thrills in it, but it is just kind of a quiet drama about mm-hmm. a man who is kind of closed off from himself and the people he loves. Mm-hmm. And my favorite thing about this movie is how it juxtaposes the isolation of space with the isolation of this man and how closed off he is in his own life i think that's kind of a genius thing to do um and of course you mentioned first man first man is a movie that also does the same thing but this movie is set in the future so it gets to play around with some mild sci-fi stuff it's not like crazy out there shit it's more grounded than interstellar yeah Yeah. it's very (laughs) grounded as far as sci-fi goes but i i will say i mean i really feel like 
I'm at fault here and I need to check my expect expectations at the door a little bit with things like this because I love space movies. I love sci-fi movies. And I went into Ad Astra wanting something like really transcendental and I wanted certain things to happen because of my love for this genre that don't happen in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I was left wanting a little bit more. And that's not necessarily the movie's fault because James Gray, the director, he clearly wanted to make something that there is a very uh, just careful, calculated decision to not do the big, weird, trippy sci-fi shit. And I, I wanted that from this movie so badly. And I understand why he doesn't do it. And I'm starting to like get into some spoilery stuff, so I don't want to get too into it. But um, overall, I really like the movie. Okay, before you go on your masterpiece rant, um, that I can just feel bubbling up inside of you. No, 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 no. It's 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 <laughs> it's staying calm. Um, I guess I'll be a bit of a middle ground because I love this movie. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm sure it'll make my list more likely than not. Although the back half of the year is pretty stacked. Um, so no guarantees, but, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it gained momentum throughout. I thought that there were moments that could have used a bit more oomph, uh, though not in a, I, I wasn't yearning for a big sci-fi type of deal because the, the very quiet rumblings that I had heard indicated that this was ultimately a small story told in a big way. Mm. Um, and I like that. I appreciate that sentiment. I like the idea of it. We are going to talk plenty about how this movie is pretty gorgeous to look oh, at. God, it uh, is pretty oof. fantastic. It's, it's, it's astounding. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt is uh, hot. <laughs> Brad Pitt, God, and I mean, come on, he is phenomenal. No, he like, has. I know. He is like we've been always. We always talk about like movie stars dying and everything else. Brad Pitt is proving us wrong with two different roles this year in which he is just he's a star and it's just he does some, some things, of his looks he does some things here that I've never seen him do before well because this is a more understated role which is contrary to what you would think <laughs> playing an astronaut like Brad Pitt playing a big budget astronaut this is a, a smaller role it has more in, col in common with Gosling's portrayal of Neil Armstrong than it does Definitely. with uh I don't know fucking leo in inception <laughs> or whatever it would have been interesting to see gosling in this role because it is kind of similar to neil yeah. armstrong and to blade runner a yeah. little bit and i will i could almost see the barrier that is in has always been in brad pitt's way which is that he's capable of doing all the small things right but he's just so hot he is a 10 and if you're trying to ground your movie him being in it alone is almost a problem because you're like, okay, that's he an astronaut. Lights up that dude's fucking a fucking screen. stud, dude. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody who like listened to our review of Hustlers last week, and they're like, oh, they're talking a little bit too much about how beautiful J Lo is. Don't worry, we're gonna do that with Brad Pitt this week. To yeah, we're gonna objectify the shit out of him <laughs> to balance things. He's out. He's a hunk. He, no, he is. But he does, like I said, he does the little things right in this movie. It's an amazing performance. Uh, it's a good role. The movie. It has a lot of really great writing, and then it has a few things that I think could have been tweaked and heavily improved with just small changes. Um, I guess we'll save that, though, 
But, yeah, I don't know how specific yeah, you want to exactly. get because there is one thing in particular that like reeks of like studio. I know exactly meddling. what you're talking about. Um, but this movie has been in production for like yeah three years at this point, yeah, but it, it kept getting pushed back. I mean, ultimately though, to quote the great John Mulaney, "Do any of us really know our fathers?" Uh, <laughs> and that's Good question. At the end of the day, that is more what the movie is about than it is about a being a stupendous journey into space, although it is also that. Um, I, I like the balance that it struck, even though at times it felt like it was teetering a little bit off of its course. Um, but overall, this is one of the best movies of the year. I, I think I could say pretty certainly thus far. Do we yeah. think that your relationship with your father dictates how you feel about this movie <laughs> yeah i mean i haven't seen my dad in about 30 years so that might have something <laughs> to do with why i clung to this role that's um, something to chew on I, you have I to mean, answer it, might, it now it but. honestly it might be i i can't really say for certain uh with this movie but i did will say that right after seeing this i went home and saw lost city of z which hey, nice. a lot of similar vibes between these yeah, two the things. The journey. The journey where it's very – it's a very personal story, yeah. but it is in this very large the father landscape. And son. The father and son, the family aesthetic to it. Um, I did want to – so I don't forget. Uh, I was listening to an interview with um, with James Gray that he was talking about making this movie. The fantasy interview? And, yeah, what a did great interview. interview. Amazing dude, interview. He, uh, dude has a great voice. He, dude. Great. <laughs> I, I just want to listen to that guy talk forever, yeah. but he was talking about one thing in particular about how they shot uh the lunar sequences is they shot it in death valley at night and they projected lunar images onto the sand so in a way they're like shooting on location on the moon is that what he said yeah i, I thought he said it was a post-production thing no like they they pr well i think it is post-production but they like projected lunar images onto right. it's not all shot on a soundstage or yeah, anything like, like that. actual like photography doing that um i this movie just worked on me on so many levels. I, if anything, I thought that the quieter moments, I wanted more of that and then less of some of the big set pieces stuff. But I do think that um, there's one particular moment, which I was talking with somebody, that a moment that they really hated that worked for me. I will just say it involves a monkey that's in the movie. <laughs> that really worked for me because I could see the allegory behind it. And there's so much symbolism littered throughout this movie. I can't wait to see this movie again just because I want to see this movie multiple times in theaters because it is so gorgeous and I really do love it so much that I just feel like this is a movie kind of like Annihilation where maybe like I, I went to Annihilation with two of high of expectations and then it let me down. I revisited it and enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, with this, I was very like I, skeptical isn't quite the right word but where this movie begins i was like all right what is the movie that i'm watching here it's a lot of inner narration um i, I started getting apocalypse now vibes very early on in the movie and that just continued through with everything yeah. else um but i think the performances aside from brad pitt are great i mean we do spend like 90 percent of the movie is just on brad pitt's face but i love donald sutherland I thought that he had a great little uh, bit mm. part in the movie. I wish that there was more Liv Tyler. Yeah, she was. But, a, she was essentially right. nothing. But let I mean, me, she, I, let, I almost feel like you didn't even need to have Liv Tyler in that role. I feel like it would make people quick. less mad to do that. 
I found it appalling <laughs> how underused Liv Tyler is well, in this I, movie. But think, if that was just a random person, then you wouldn't think about her. It's like insulting how thin her role is. Well, it's I'm, ridiculous. She's a talented actress, and she gets a thankless role with, like, nothing to do. It is a very old school role, I would it, say. It like, is. It's like, it's from a worse age of filmmaking. Well, I, mean, I mean, we've seen we've seen The Leftovers. We know this lady can act her fucking ass off. We saw her rape a guy. So, <laughs> and it was Brad Pitt. None of that. No, so I will <laughs> say, but I mean, I don't think that this movie, this movie isn't just like, it doesn't necessarily, which that's a criticism of like a movie like Whiplash or some of other Damien Chazelle movies aside from La La Land where they're kind of like thankless for all the women. Because I think that like Ruth Nega has a great performance. Like I really love. I like her a lot. What she, she does she a lot with a little. Yeah, exactly. And I think that Liv Tyler, I think that that was just meant to be like a very small thing. And they just cast a known actress. They just in like, it. yeah, we'll throw her on there because I mean. People are going to go see this movie, which I actually looked at. I know this means less than Rotten Tomatoes, but only f- 58% of people on Google like the movie, mm-hmm. which is astonishingly low. For I'll a tell movie you one thing. Going to make. But it's because it's a quiet movie, and I think that that's kind of not really fair from the marketing. People are expecting a big space epic. Yeah. They're expecting Interstellar. Kind of like High Life that. earlier this year. Yeah. Where people are expecting it to be like, oh, it's a space movie. It's going to be deep sci-fi lore uh, well, and all it also, kind of stuff. Well, it involves a, a confrontation of your own feelings that a lot of people are not comfortable having. Yeah. Especially men is yeah. the thing. Like, I, this movie is about masculinity. I, I heard two older guys at the urinals right after the movie talking <laughs> while they were pissing, which, you know, I guess go That's for it. That's already a... <laughs> but, like, one of them, they, both of them were scared to say anything about it because you could so, tell... So, uh, wh- when was the last time you talk to your dad <laughs> you could just tell they're kind of overwhelmed by the the fact that this wasn't a straightforward film not to say that they're like less intelligent they just don't watch a lot of that type of movie uh and so it was just a lot of like one was like well you know I, the idea was good but i, I don't know you know i just don't like s- space movies i guess <laughs> I was like, what? like i'm out on star wars man like, i just i don't um, get it but i i want to go back to your point Ernest, though because i think you're you're really right that the most of the things, and there aren't many that I that kind of bug me about the movie, didn't seem like they came from the same place as the rest of the movie did. And I, at least what I was talking about isn't much of a spoiler to say. I think that a lot of the voiceover was too much. That's got to be a, a is that what you were talking add-on. about too? Yeah, yeah. I, come on. But I think that that is like I feel like a lot of that is written in there. Maybe they added a little bit extra, but like. I don't think that that whole narration, air narration, is all a studio. Thing. Oh no, definitely not. I like, don't think it's a bad thing. No, like they, it adds a lot of. I some. honestly, I liked it because it's just because it's such. It's coming from such an objective and a personal place that I, I guess I'll say this until we get into spoilers because it leads into kind of the the mental trip that Brad Pitt goes on on this whole trip. Yeah, well, I there are just a few instances where. It w- it's the textbook definition of when you should not do voiceover. And th- there's plenty of, like, p- perfectly appropriate voiceover with a great vocal performance. But a few times it's like, man, the movie's doing a good enough job of showing me what's happening. Yeah. I really don't need him to explain to me how he feels. He's acting good. Mm-hmm. He's doing a good job. The camera's doing a good job of focusing us on what the movie wants us to focus on. We don't need words also. Like... <laughs> That that's just an overload. It almost felt like that's why, like you said, it felt like it was coming from. It, it felt like it was coming from somebody who did not trust the movie, which is obviously not James Gray. There's certain <laughs> scenes where Brad Pitt is putting in a really kind of 
intense, almost frenetic performance when shit starts to really heat up. And then the voiceover comes in and I'm like, oh, I could be more active in this scene trying to connect with what he must be going through. But you're telling me what he's thinking. So I'm more (laughs) passive in my experience of the scene. So it there were a couple instances in the movie where I felt like I wasn't as tuned into the film because I could just kind yeah. of like hear the inner monologue and catch well, the gist of what was going on and, and just get it. An- another possible explanation for this, uh, if it's not coming from an outside source, is that James Gray was pulling a bit of a Nolan where Nolan wants to drag everybody along into the realm of understanding his movie very explicitly. You know, it seems like maybe James Gray threw a few extra lines in there just to make sure that people were getting it. Well, but, yeah. okay, so I, I, I will say, like, that is that is fair. I'm not going to say this is, like, a, a flawless movie or anything like that. Um, but I will, I do think that the way in which some of the narration works, you're kind of being strung along where you think that there is a a bad guy in this whole thing. And you're trying to link together of like, what's actually happening. There's a death that happens, a death sequence that happens in this movie. And you're like, okay, like who is good and who is bad. But I think this movie is more complicated than that. And I think that some of the voiceover work does almost kind of, I mean, you could accomplish the same thing for us as people who watch lots of movies. You could do that without doing that voiceover. But I think that this is trying to grab a wider audience by laying out this whole thing where you're like, yeah, man, I don't trust this thing. Or, oh, shit, maybe maybe yeah. I was wrong. Maybe it's flipping the other way. It's and like, literally, I think uh, the only reason it really, really stuck out to me is because uh, literally I was in a class last week where we were going over when and when not to do this. And the example he used was the JGL uh, tightrope walking movie. Oh, Remember God, that one? Yeah. Made by Zemeckis. And there is... A part where literally he played it in the voice. So first of all, JGL is doing a French accent, which is a whole (laughs) I could go for an hour about that. But literally he played it and then he played it muted and it's a comedic scene. And it was so much just more purely funny muted. And like I've been thinking a lot about that. And in this movie, I would say maybe three or four times that happened where I felt like maybe muted because we were also being dazzled with visuals and with a beautiful score. Um, oh, the score of this yeah. movie is yeah, it's oh, really great. It's, it's lovely. Also, uh, the production design is outstanding. the The sequences on I... Mars, all the sets oh, on that Mars base are like holy. And fuck, like, this is amazing. This is a movie where you notice the lighting, but not in a bad way. Like you're, I just like, I mean, it adds to just seeing this movie and kind of the spectacle of it all, but, like, the way that this movie is lit from, like, all these, like, personal close-up shots while you're in the ship or while you're on, like, this Mars base and everything is, like, has this tinge of orange, yeah. red to it's it. It's very is... Roger Deakins 2040, yeah. Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that so much. Uh, one thing that I personally didn't super love about First Man was that it it made every effort to ground space travel in reality, and... This movie, I think, had a great balance where yeah, it the, was the claustrophobia. It was, like, yeah, it was certainly grounded in like the technology they're using while in the future still was like very like analog based, you know, like it made sense. Uh, however, they didn't feel the need to remove color from the movie. Well, like the color palette is is a broad spectrum in this. Movie, well, and, and I, I was going to say, that. I feel like to that point with First Man, I feel like. Chazelle's motivation was to make it very clear that this isn't science fiction and like this yeah. is 
so real because this actually did happen. Yeah, it's historical. It's fiction. historical fiction. It's not sci-fi or not even this does, fiction. It's, it's not. It's historic. It's a historical dramatization, yeah. I guess. But this is like. It is still, like, a lot of it is very sci-fi. It just doesn't really feel that sci-fi. Honestly, one of the main reasons why I would want to rewatch Ad Astra is because of some of the detail, the the, the level of thought that they put yeah. into this future is, like... It's really interesting. You could, you could pay attention to, like, what's going on in the background, in the margins, and, and just really appreciate, like, how much thought they put into painting a very plausible future that we see here yeah. it i really really appreciated that because they also did not uh like you said obviously the motivation was completely different but they didn't completely remove all imagination from it they still you know they had rooms that would be like pitch orange that in real life there's not necessarily a reason for them to be but in the movie it just looks right mm -hmm. like it just looks good. and it was like certain things that we've seen before like in black mirror but in black mirror it just oh looks those artificial yeah and this it just it the doesn't cool down rooms or whatever the fuck yeah 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 it, there the way it's shot here it doesn't have yeah uh uh yeah just an artificial quality to yeah. it it, it looks very real i like that idea i like the I, I like generally the amount of work put into the movie uh it it paid off for Did me good. yeah there's great there's a good uh, emotional crescendo at least for me in the movie like by the end i was gripped fully like yeah, emotionally. my biggest gripe with that is i really wanted the movie to hit like a much bigger emotional catharsis mm. and there when we get into spoilers there's a specific point on that where james Drake kind of makes a point to subvert that expectation mm -hmm. a little bit with what happens in the end and I appreciate that a lot. But when sitting in the theater and kind of like expecting what the movie was about to give me, I was like, okay, here we go. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Here we go. And it like never happened for me. So that's why I walked out of the movie a little bit disappointed. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I was so happy that that yeah, I, happened. Because I if, if I thought that it was coming, I was like, oh, here we go. We're going to have the big movie moment. And I love it. We didn't have the big movie moment. That's one of the things that, like, I left this movie, and I was like, thank you, James Gray, for doing for not doing that. But And also, I liked it because it didn't have the emotional outcome that a lot of people would expect, but cinematically it's, it still was very big. And it's like also, it was still a, a, it, a moment. It is. I mean, it does leave things a little bit complicated. Like you are still left to think about like, what is the, what is happening after the movie is over in mm -hmm. this world? Like this is, I think that, I mean, it, the world building of this movie is just incredible. Like whenever you leave a certain place in this world, I can still like imagine what's happening after the camera is no longer on that world. And they're still living, doing their thing on Mars or on mm -hmm. the moon or whatever, which I mean, that's just a credit to the direction as a whole. It goes beyond even just the production design. It's the world building. itself. Exactly. All, yeah. all the pieces coming together. I never once thought that I was watching actors on a set. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the best compliments you can give a movie like this, you know, that is trying to really heighten its sense of reality and really build out this, like, really intricate world and vision for what the future could look like is that you are in it. You're in it and you don't stop being in it until the movie's yeah. over. And I, I do want to say that also I thought that the movie did a really good job of grappling with some much headier themes 
than most other movies are comfortable right. tackling. Um, this, in addition, there's obviously plenty of things about processing trauma and like you know parental issues, uh, edible complexes, all that type of deal. But another thing that was kind of an undercurrent in the movie was the same theme that is repeated like way too much in Cloud Atlas, which is that mankind's folly follows it through time and space. Um, that is right. At one point in the voiceover, he almost explicitly says that, which bothered me a little bit. But like that is kind of an undercurrent throughout the entire movie and how, you know, time is a flat circle and we're just uh, destined to repeat ourselves over and over. Uh, and I thought it did that in an effective way because it that's also the big, true, true. Well, yeah. And that's also why the ending uh, worked better for me, because while it wasn't at all what like, you know, a typical movie would have as its ending, it's still. Uh, kind of tied up that theme in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah, for me the the biggest most resonant theme. Uh, I I guess I'll reiterate. I probably said this at the beginning. It's just that that emotional is- uh, isolationism mm-hmm. uh, that kind of is embodied by Brad Pitt's character. I really thought the movie explored that really well and how. Uh, he has to like check in for this psych eval periodically. Wasn't that very Blade Runner twenty forty nine? Yeah, with the fucking uh, uh, test yeah. or whatever. The, there the are a lot of similarities poetry. to draw actually that I was noticing. <laughs> yeah, and and just the whole idea of this guy, you know, part of his job of being an astronaut has to be staying very level headed and has to f- be passing this psych psychological evaluation, which he does so by being a little bit of a of a little bit of a, a sociopath a tiny little yeah. bit and just like closing you have to off be like so like the way he especially as the movie goes on like the way he delivers the lines are flatter and flatter yeah like there's it's he makes a point they to make not a feel things they make a whole like thing like early on in the movie they're like even in like the high stressful situations you've never gone above like 90 beats per minute with your heart and whenever you start you're like is this dude like a fucking sociopath yeah. like you really wonder that but it's and- Pitt's performance that really strings that out the mm-hmm. whole movie and it's such a calculated performance that you never get the sense that it's like the one moment where he flips it's this very gradual thing where you can you can tell that the character is going through some stuff, but he is making the effort to suppress it. And I think that that's really what taps into the theme and what taps into the theme of masculinity as well. Mm-hmm. Because as men, society tells us that we have to be strong and we have to be like very manly and we can't cry and we can't feel things. And uh, I mean... Obviously, Brad Pitt is a 50-year-old man. 55. He was brought up in a generation where that kind of defined his generation. That that whole sentiment is is becoming more non-existent as time goes on. But it's so interesting to see him playing this character and go through the things he goes through. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a journey that we've seen a lot of times in pop culture. Uh, and this was the biggest comparison to me for, for Blade Runner 2049. Because uh, that is also the story of... Uh, an essentially emotionless robotic man who's actually a robot in that movie um, grappling with uh, some news he gets that triggers a lot of feelings. Yeah. Um, And processing that and like just processing the fact that he's feeling for almost the first time. Uh, There's a lot to cover there. Like culture wise, there's plenty of ground to be covered. And honestly, the, that whole thing, I, I love that Astra. I think it's definitely worthy of its praise, but because it kept making me think of Blade Runner 2049 so much, 
I wanted it to be that good mm. and it just wasn't for me. And that's kind of why I'm a little bit lower on it. They, the, I, I acknowledge that that's an unfair thing to, to put on the movie and to, and then on James Gray, because he's trying to do something completely yeah. different, yeah. but you dick, I feel how I feel. I, I mean, I, that's it's funny that you said that because I was thinking of Apocalypse Now while watching this movie, and I mean, it's it. I again, once again, very different movies, but I think that is something about this movie why it resonates more with me than something that does go full sci-fi like uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I mean, as much as I love that movie as well, is that I. I think that where sci-fi excels is whenever it's a sci-fi background, but it's still telling very human stories, mm -hmm. which is one thing that I think about this that really works. I just wanted to give a shout-out. Brad Pitt, this year, he is 55 years old, and he's probably given two of like the top five, top seven performances of his career. This is better than, than is, Once Upon a Time, though. You think? I don't... I mean, it hinges on him more. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's a heavier role. It's more Brad. I don't know though. I mean, I think I, that I would put this a because Leo like runs away with Once Upon a Time. I don't know. Brad Pitt does. He he steals that. I, after seeing that movie now a third time, then Brad Pitt is also you've just seen like a it guy. three. Yeah, times? I've seen it three times. Holy I, I shit! Love that movie. I need to I need <laughs> to revisit it. Um, no, I mean, I think that it's I it's hard because they're like kind of it. You're seeing two different versions of Brad Pitt, like the two polar ends of the Brad Pitt roles where he can play that kind of like very, very charismatic, braggadocious kind of guy that he's played for a lot of his career. Or he can also do this like subtle, very yeah. subtle underplayed role. Um, Another thing that I love about this movie uh, and that I would say, again, we should never compare two separate pieces of art. It's sacrilege. One thing I like better about this than Blade Runner 2049 is that this one has a much simpler storyline while still having enough meat on the bone that is not nothing. Uh, the journey of this movie, uh, like the hero's journey of it, is linear. It's a lot like Mad Max yeah. Fury Road. Mm. like And Apocalypse Now. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's a there and back fucking movie. And there's plenty in between that you're not noticing as you're watching. Wow, there's really fucking nothing. You know, like there's plenty going on. Mm. Uh, and I tend to prefer movies of that nature that don't have this broad scale where they're like, hey, here's these 20 characters, meet it for five minutes and then move on to the next scene because we don't have time. Yeah. You know, it didn't open any jars that it couldn't close except for one or two that we'll talk about in the spoilers. It, it, it was interesting how like early on they set up the whole thing about you have to go to Neptune. And I was thinking like, oh, that's the movie. It's just go to Neptune. And I thought that's a genius thing. Mm. It's just like no bullshit about it. You just set it up in the beginning and then boom, you're off to the races. Um, so uh, do you want to spoil now? Yeah, let's get into spoilers. Yep. One one last spoiler free thought. Bad look for my guy Pluto. Oh. They're like, we gotta go to the edge Uranus? of so we gotta go to the edge of the solar system. Uranus, we'll go to dude. There's one line where they made a point to not say Uranus. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. He's like, Yeah, your dad, first one to Jupiter, first one to Saturn. Then he went to Neptune. <laughs> never heard from him. <laughs> <laughs> well, which one's That's first? No, it's Uranus, Uranus Neptune, Neptune, Pluto. Yeah. That's why oh, they go to the edge of the solar system. And then even, and they go even Neptune, when they're showing Pluto. them, they don't show Uranus. Because um, then it would be NC-17. Another another motif of, of the cinematography. This is unrelated to this discussion. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. All right. Let's put the bumper here. Okay. So if you haven't seen the movie, um, go check it out. It, yeah. needs, some, it go, needs some help. Go see it's this movie. It's not doing too well. We all I, it's doing it, great though. overseas. Overseas. It's going to make its budget back okay, just from good. overseas. It's expensive. Fucking yeah, $80 movie. million. Dollars. No, I think mm. it hit 100 because mm. of like... 
it was just such an it's extended It's $100 million. Production. It's not a comic book movie or an adaptation or something yeah, like that. Exactly. I was reading. I was like, this has got to be based no, on like a short not. story or something. It's all original. Like, yeah. that's, go support that. It's a, a big budget original movie. This movie never we gets need made more anymore. Of that. We need more of that. So Absolutely. from now on, turn it off. Or listen if you don't care, but spoilers for Ad Astra. Okay, so two motifs in the cinematography that I thought were both really well, like, tastefully executed. Number one is the use of uh, lens flares to replicate the sun and the planets. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you cannot tell that if you're opening looking. opening shot, dude. Oh. You, oh. You the opening sequence yeah, in this movie Oftentimes you cannot tell if you're looking at the sun or a planet or just a lens flare. Yeah. Like, it's it's incredible. They use a lens flare to recreate the entire solar system in the very beginning. At the very beginning That's of crazy. the movie, I was like, it's amazing. oh, like, just sitting down in my IMAX chair, the movie starts up, and I was like, Oh, this is going to be gravity with a plot. I am all in on this right now. Like, I am yeah. all in. Um, and then the other is the use of uh, transparencies and, like, overlay shots to show, like, Brad Pitt becoming his father. And, yeah. And, yeah and, oh, my God. When he's looking at the phone oh, thing yeah. and the yeah, shot the comes thing. down. Because I was going to actually, like, when I was watching that scene, I was planning on going on this whole rant about why our future phones and iPads clear because that provides no benefit. But then they actually use it yeah. in they the cinematography. In any other movie, though, there's no fucking reason. Yeah. It just makes it so other people can see whatever you're doing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was absolutely beautifully done. And then, uh, like, aside from that scene, there are several scenes where it, like, overlays shots of uh, Brad Pitt, but his head is replaced by a lens flare slash the sun, possibly. Like, a lot of usage of that yeah, type great, of Great shot. use of CGI reflections in this movie. Yes, yeah. That's they really do make it look like it is just a reflection the way it's like slightly warped off it, of their it, face mask. Oh yeah, that, well that's another thing. There are a lot of shots through a fake uh you know astronaut face mask where yeah, you can see glare. There was one in particular that really wowed me that was like through some sort of like porthole thing that he's looking into. I think it's when they're going into that distress signal ship and the shots like going into it and then you can the the reflector like flips up or something like that and it just i love shots like that yeah, i that mentioned, was, I, I know what shot you're talking i about. mentioned that, that when we talk about the matrix this is yeah. there's a lot of really dynamic shit happening i did is what we're saying like in, in any given shot there are like 10 things going on that i could not even conceive so <laughs> i know? mean i did want to talk about i mean of course there's i mean especially for a james gray movie this movie does have a lot of set pieces the I opening from the opening thing a tower that just goes all the way up into space no it's so just, cool. like it, looks inc- is it a tower yeah, yeah, it's like it's a tower that goes all the way I, up into like space. Antenna. That's I why it was he just falls. kind of a vertical satellite. You know, I didn't know it went all the way down. It went all the way down because you can just see it go all the way down to Earth. Like somebody just built like a space tower that just went like straight up through the sky. Well, they say it's that, like an antenna to try yeah. to connect with alien life. So, uh, but I did want to know uh, more so for the distress signal. Did you guys like that? So. The monkey yeah. really didn't it, do it for me. It was didn't care for more it. than anything. It was it. It kind of stuck out to me, especially after the movie, in the context of it, because, like you said earlier, there is clearly really clear symbolism happening there. Yeah. Like, the, and just especially when he's doing his psychology test afterward, and he pretty much just says it. Yeah, well, he's I mean, like, yeah, there's symbolism in what just happened. <laughs> well, I mean, I thought that it was less so in that, and more so that you see. Literally an animal, a wild, feral beast in there. And then after that, we have him, like, killing his crew and then, like, going insane while he's just on a ship by himself for, like, almost three months. 
and like how just kind of being this alone in space will drive you to insanity. Yeah. It'll make you become. And an I animal. like how they mention they make a point to mention how he's moving further and further away from Earth. And what that starts to do to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's another, like like I said, there's symbolism all over the fucking place. Like, the, the journey of him reckoning with his father, the, the pull of that trauma is separating him literally from Earth and from being a human that feels emotions. Like, the, the, the closer he gets to accomplishing his goal, the farther he gets from everything. Yeah. Um, it's it almost reminded me of Snowpiercer, where it's like the mechanism of distance and location mm-hmm. is the plot and yep. the straight line. Yeah, too. It, <laughs> like that that was pretty cool. Yeah. So now that we're kind of dipping into Tom Lee Jones here, I love him in this movie. I think he's great. I do think it's a little bit of a glorified cameo, a little bit. You know, we we get little sprinkles of him throughout, but then when we actually get him, it's like not that it's, much. Well, it's Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. But I feel like even we get more of Brando in that movie because it's such that like, movie. No, is but so that's long. that's the whole thing. It's that's why it reminds me of that where it's like we're on this journey to see this person, and you have not seen him yet. But we're on the journey yeah. to see this guy. We're gonna find this guy, and then you finally meet him, and you have this third act climax yeah yeah and and the third act is really what has me very conflicted because overall i i love the movie i do think it's like one of the best of the year but i gotta say like i i was kind of with tommy lee jones a little bit i was like let's go that's why look for no the alien life no that's one of the things that's why wormhole that's why i think this movie i love the ending because of how conflicting it is i know it, it, it like you really are wrestling through all this stuff because before that, you see him and you're like, oh, his dad went crazy and killed, like, everybody on the ship because on they were trying to take over. His... They were trying to go home. Yeah. And then, like, as time goes on, you can almost just see it in Brad Pitt's performance that he's starting to think, like, he accidentally – he killed them because he's just like, I have to go to this destination. I have to do – And they wanted I to have to fulfill around. my mission. And that's the same thing that Tommy Lee Jones is. His whole life – He's just lived with this one purpose of, like, I want to make contact with alien life forms. Like, that's all that I want to do. I will stay here until I die on this ship, but I will accomplish that much. And that's why I really love the ending. I love that aliens did not contact them. I love that it just ends the way that it does. I like yeah. I like Brad Pitt's line you know all the lines involving like he didn't realize that he did discover beauty he, it just wasn't what he wanted to discover right. there's so many great lines we're yeah. all that we have yeah, yeah exactly you found so out we're good. all that we have oh. that's great dad so that that part is i think what's ultimately winning me over because i really wanted the the 2001 stargate sequence brought to you by james gray like i wanted <laughs> to be fucking transported to the metatextual realm and that doesn't happen and I kept waiting for it. I was like, oh, is it going to be now? Are they going to go into Neptune? Do you think that all the flares are going to cause something, some kind of a reaction? Or like, like that? or the antimatter? Because they introduced yeah, they, antimatter. So it's like, I come was, on. Yeah, I was almost thinking like, like that would it open would, the wormhole. It would like play into what made that monkey fucking crazy. <laughs> 
No, and, I like, mean, it's, it is. It's all red herrings that are, like, leading yeah. you to yeah. believe this is the big movie And the, with the nuke, too, I was like, okay, we got a nuke, and we got antimatter. Here we go. It's going to suck everything in. See, I didn't I didn't want that out of this movie because I feel like it would have kind of betrayed the movie itself. If right. that would have happened, I would have been like, that's the studio yeah. thing. At, yeah, at the end of the day, the climax of the movie had to be man-to-man, father-to-son. But, I mean, Kubrick, in 2001, Kubrick does it in a way that doesn't feel tacked on or well betrayed. i mean that's that's kubrick that's james you're gray isn't about, kubrick yeah exactly these are these like, are two completely well different it's not things. even a different thing you're it's just this that standard is too much well, well also, that's what i was getting at earlier about me checking my expectations yeah. at the door 2001 is dramatically more sci-fi than this movie is throughout the entire movie like that movie is so extra with AI taking over a ship because they right. have to yeah like that movie is on another level as far as the sci-fi elements go where this movie throughout the whole thing felt so grounded to the point where there's fucking space like moon pirates which I actually real I like the idea of that because Hell that's yeah. the, it's like the wild the space would just become yeah, the wild it's not west a claimed in calling nation. them calling them pirates was a little fun I, I did like moon pirate I just like <laughs> the idea of moon pirates I think we got some pirates over here. <laughs> I just there enjoyed are, that whole thing. I do, before I forget, there are some like direct visual callbacks to 2001. Like, there's one shot in particular where Brad Pitt is like pulling a console out yeah. of the, the and spaceship. It's, it's shot in this way that's like the room pulling out the little vault. Well, the design things. of that set mm-hmm. is like the same thing as when Hal is being shut down in 2001. It's like the same thing. Spoilers for 2001. Jeez. Come on. <laughs> For a 51-year-old movie. Back to the ending, though. Yeah, when that theme is kind of culminate, when it kind of culminates at the end there, and he tells Tommy Lee Jones, like, you did succeed. You didn't fail. You found that we're all we have. I really think that that is kind of like the crucial line of the whole thing because that's what lets you know that James Gray knew what people like me were going into this movie thinking and that he anticipated the fact that you that everyone not everyone but people want the big weird trippy sci-fi shit but that's not real life yeah people want want tars in the bookshelf yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's what we want (laughs) tars can you explain this entire movie to me because i don't know what's happening Um, anymore and and it just makes it a, a little beautiful to be like, yeah, no, that's it. And 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 it kind of it also ties the the father son relationship too. How when we're introduced to Tommy Lee Jones, he's basically like, I never once thought about you or your mom or any so, one of you. I never missed you. I I like the entire like I like that whole sequence, but that was another bit a little bit of a heavy handed line for me because this was such a meaningful interaction. He's like. I, I didn't never once thought about you and your little ideas. <laughs> well, he doesn't say it though that maliciously. Like you're making it sound like he's like ha ha here I go. No, but like you can tell like genuinely he never gave a shit about life on earth cuz he was always oh, yeah. he was always wanting to reach for something bigger. Like they talk about every person who sees Brad Pitt throughout the whole movie is like, "Oh my god, you're you're Tommy Lee Jones' son." Like, "Oh my god, like you're this guy." And I mean, that's why he has always been under the shadow that he wants to get out of. Neither of them, like, it's almost like they have, like, this almost kind of respect for each other, but neither of them truly ever loved each other. They've had this very complicated oh, relationship. Yeah. Because growing up, you're left to assume 
Tommy Lee Jones is never fucking there. That's it's not what, like he's that's raising another, his kid. That's another big props I wanted to give to the movie. Is it's not like we had a lot of flashbacks of great memories. It, it like he doesn't yeah, have, like every other. Yeah, movie he did not him. have yeah. a good father. But, well, there but are, he still is pursuing him. This there way. are these flashes which I think are really effective. Like. It, it's not these extended flashback sequences, but we get these like really yeah. quick flashbacks. Uh, there's one in particular that really impressed me, which is he goes in to like suck the space teat of whatever liquid he's drinking, mm-hmm. and it flashes back to him as a kid. Yeah, and that I was, was like, wow. like, that was some great Freudian shit um, right there. I th- we also should mention the probably the least or the most like done to death uh, reading of this movie is like the one that's been done from everything from like whiplash to mother, like the, the artist who sets everything aside so he can work. Yeah. You know, the, the autobiography, even though it's a whole different profession. Yeah. Um, you, there is that thread in this movie, but that's not a thread that I was personally paying attention to because is James gray, a spaceman who leaves his family. <laughs> well, behind. I mean, uh, between this and Lost City of Z, it's like, yo, are you good in your marriage yeah. right now, my guy? Like, he went to the seen, Amazon. Have you seen your children lately? Does, like, what's going I on? Would, with that? I would want to ask, does he have a lot lined up in his future? Because at the end of this movie, we're left to believe that Brad Pitt is going to clear out the schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, he, well, gets, he gets home and he's going to he, chill. He did he's going to go home yeah. with Liv Tyler. Of all the Liv Tyler things, I didn't like that Liv Tyler just took him back at, after like years of being oh. on this expedition. Yeah. The coffee shop scene, I love. I will say, one of my favorite, it's like literally like 45 seconds. Some of the best acting is in the flashback very early on the movie between him and Liv Tyler that's completely silent. But it's just all the acting between the two of them where they both, you don't even see the fight. You see after the fight yeah. where they both just look so defeated and beaten down. And, and it, you see her put her key down on and the And we don't and even cut like to a close of her. It's just all on Brad. Yeah, it's, I I love just there's so many little pieces like that that are in this movie i do just i love i thought that the whole parallelism between uh brad pitt and his father i thought that that throughout the entire movie just really worked for me just seeing how they really have so much in common even if deep down they especially from brad pitt's side they probably kind of hate each other yeah like i mean it is a very like the journey to becoming tommy lee jones like he kills you could say inadvertently but he does kill a a ship full of people and i mean he's he does exactly what his dad did (laughs) he's left to be where he kind of could just go down the same path as his father yeah there's there's a moment there where you think that he's actually gonna stay there well you would think that if you weren't reading the movie (laughs) do we do we think that when he gets back to earth he's gonna be like reprimanded for what no because it's the same as his dad he's gonna be the guy that stops the apocalypse yeah okay they have no choice yeah because of the surges yeah they have no they're not worried about like three fucking henchmen that were going out there anyways to just nuke them nuke neptune i did love the scene where that shit goes down on the ship and the lady like fucking flies to the other side of the ship uh, and, and her great her head great crashes. zero g yeah shout out to there. uh beta o'rourke <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the beta pilot oh my god who looks like somebody beta. in my theater could not stop laughing every time they showed that guy because there's one moment where like when the other guy dies and he they show him and he just kind of like puts his head down defeatedly Betish. one guy just broke out into laughter <laughs> um i do want to make sure we talk about brad's big scene in the audio booth mm-hmm. that oh. is the scene of the movie for me because this man 
puts in a just phenomenal performance all on his own. Just it's him and a camera and that's it. And that is so difficult to do is 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 to conjure up those feelings and I I feel like there's some stuff happening there, some meta stuff, you know, kind of getting at my earlier point about Gen Xers and and masculinity and how difficult it must be to put yourself in that situation where you're like, you know, you're this very serious astronaut man on a mission and then you let your guard down and you feel like you have the only opportunity that you never even thought you would have to be real with your father and to be vulnerable and to be emotional and that presents itself and he just knocks it out of the well, park. And also, so to that point, that's early enough on the movie where because we aren't seeing flashbacks to his childhood, we see that and we think, oh my god, maybe they were really close before he left. Like, I think that way, the way that this movie plays with your expectations throughout it and how you kind of piece together what their life was like pre-going on this mission is very effective that it doesn't show those scenes because whenever he delivers that line, it gives this whole thing of just like this like guy telling his dad, like, remember when we used to play ball together? Like, it has this kind of vibe to it of like, let's go back to like when it's just the two of us and we're just close and we're all that we have together. But did but they that's have not, that? They never really had <laughs> yeah. that. That's what's beautiful about that sequence because it's him saying it from a very genuine place that he wants that moment, but you can read it as it's coming off from like a nostalgic kind of a thing, like wanting to recreate these moments, or it could be from the point of view of we've never actually had this, so let's have this now. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, how it all ends, they are embracing, hurling towards Neptune, and he has to let him go, which is very on the nose, so but cinematic, it, but it works. It, the look of it was gorgeous. Yeah, like it, it, it was effective. It was me. like the I Martian. Think there was somebody good. in my theater who scoffed at that moment, but I didn't care. It, well, it, it worked for me. The what the more jarring thing was that right after that, it kind of sweeps over the gravity portion of the movie, which is him like surfing to his ship on a fucking board and then like, oh yeah and then riding a nuke back to earth <laughs> like it's just like yeah, yeah yeah he does that and he gets home <laughs> yeah what what happened to neptune did neptune just get nuked no what neptune, the hell? neptune is huge and it's a gaseous planet like neptune's gonna be fine okay. I, would, I would not I would worry about also neptune. that nukes in space don't have no well i mean the, the gravity isn't because uh, there's no real gravity it's right. just kind of disperse yeah. into whatever i i thought that that actually I, I i it's very movie moment thing but i thought that it was kind of it, you could tell it was very smart i feel like they definitely had to have a lot of astronauts work on this movie with yeah them. there's a lot of math I, there's a lot of math things and that's just like smart where in a lot of movies it would just be like oh yeah let me just swim on back to my <laughs> ship but i mean he does no. use physics yeah. to his advantage in that kind of a scene it looks a little bit silly but there is yeah there's a lot of physics that are built yeah. into this movie and this this is kind of like where my little uh interstellar comparison comes where um interstellar makes the choice to go full transcendental trippy to make its big statement about love and the power of love throughout space it transcends time Murph. And i i love interstellar i think that's a great movie but i think the way ad astra does it is a lot better mm -hmm. because where it's just like go home it makes the <laughs> same point about the power of love but it's just two men embracing each other hurling in the depths of space and one of them has to let the other one die yeah. 
to and, live. And then and again, that's love. And again, speaking to, you know, the fine line in between being too obvious and just right. Uh, right after that, he says, like, why should I even go on? And then he sees the light of his ship. And yeah. that's, you know, obviously meant to represent home. And yeah. he ends up back home and he likes th there's a really funny uh, difference between the way that Chazelle and James Gray see their protagonists because think of like the end of whiplash the end of whiplash is like fuck your family fuck your gf <laughs> never talk the to greatest again. of all time the end is doing it good and like <laughs> you don't worry about going home <laughs> like and then james gray is very much like you can do your thing but like just remember what's really important yeah you yeah know? it has such a jarringly different i almost it. thought for a second that the movie was gonna end with brad pitt just out in space and he's like, man, well, I love he's just my dad. Floating around out there, like <laughs> hanging out. I did. I loved that Tommy Lee Jones didn't make it back to Earth because that would have seemed very unrealistic. He's now spent like thirty plus years alone. Yeah, he can't. He can't back. go back and assimilate into society. Again. Yeah, like he, he also says, like he says it. This is home. Yeah, like that exactly. Like he can never go back anymore. Yeah, like, I also he has to stay out there. I, I like the way that that when he meets his dad, it does a good job of transitioning him from being imposing to a scared little shrew. Yeah, like very quickly. Yeah, he, that's that was great. Little yeah, it starts out with him like way like a whole floor above Brad Pitt, and then Brad Pitt rises up to him. Yeah, and great then he, staging. He, like, coils because he hasn't touched or seen a single yeah. person in 30 years oh he's man. like terrified and he looks so small in that moment when the whole movie it's... we've been watching video clips of him where he they make him up to look pretty scary yeah like they intentionally make him and look his performance is like yeah he's menacing. he is yeah. such just like uh he has like an overbearing father quality to him um i got a couple nits to pick nothing ma major but Dude swims underneath Mars. I guess Mars has water in the near future. Fine. He swims. By the way, the well, way there's that. there's ice underneath the caps of Mars. Yeah, but he's not swimming in ice. No, he's but they can probably fucking melt it. At this point, they're living okay. on there. Yeah. Sure. In the near future. So I love the way it looks of him in total pitch darkness, like just hanging on to this pipe, this rope, whatever it is. But he gets to the launch underneath the launch pad area. And this is a rocket. This is a fucking it's, rocket it's, that's gonna it's lift hot. up. He's dude is just gonna climb the metal ladder. Well, I on mean, the he's ship. wearing he's wearing an astronaut gear, which is insulated. Also, I thought that that was fuel that he was swimming in. Oh, interesting. I think that's I think that's why it's so dark. Okay, is because I think that it's fuel. It looks black. Yeah. yeah, I think that he's swimming in fuel to get there. So and he's yeah. in an insulated. So suit. he's covered in fuel. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get inside it. No, fuel. I, yeah, I was. Jeez, uh, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. Know. I was imagining that it was fluid that was put there, like to sort of insulate the launch. Like, yeah, I feel like. You know, let's let's get Brett, friend of the pod, on to talk about I, his time in Cape Canaveral. Yeah, because uh, I feel like yeah, they put that there so that there wasn't a big boom I, when it took off. Oh, maybe you're no, right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, you know it. Yeah, a cool a cool lift off, yeah. as they call it. Yeah, that's what they call. Yeah, it. Yeah, he's covered in like. It, like car coolant, and that's why he can't feel anything. I from really the big wanted... that's why he trips out once yeah. he's in the spaceship. I, I did. I thought that there was going to be like a Mission Impossible Four yes, moment where he's just hanging say. onto the ship as it flies into space. I really thought that we were going to get that for like half a second. Yeah, like, dun, 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 I was dun. waiting for that. I was just like hitch a ride all the way to Neptune, hanging well, on they, for dear life. They couldn't afford Tom Cruise to do the stunt work. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been in it. In the movie. Tom Cruise would have just not even worn a mask yeah. and just like I'm going into space holding this yeah. thing. He's like, show my face. I don't care if it doesn't track. 
It's me. That was I that was really die. my only my only big nit to pick. The only other thing I wanted to shout out is going back to the the lunar uh moon base. R- uh the race the the chase oh. sequence. Yeah. Uh that I love that part. That's so good cuz it's like it's an action scene, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels There's like There's no um, score. It feels like a like a very suspenseful moment. It's not like a fuck yeah, like yeah, action. Get him. It's like a very tense, thrilling moment where you feel like everyone is in danger and anyone could die. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that that's what a, like the best space movies get right is the use of silence because that's what any astronaut who goes up there is just like, yeah, you know, like of course it's like chilling, like being up there, but like the most chilling thing is that it's completely silent. There is no. Everywhere in our society, daily life, there is always some kind of artificial noise, whether it's it's even something as small as the light hum coming off of a computer or of a light bulb. Where in space, there is nothing. It is just silence. And I think that that's – I love whenever movies do that. And it was cool to see an action sequence that utilized that. Yeah, if – if First Man won for visual effects, I this movie has to win it, for this movie does. <laughs> I love First Man. I think that First Man gets some yeah. of the tension better than this movie. Yeah, but visual it's effects more about tension, they, they like they walk on the moon for what five ten minutes in that, and they're mostly just walking. Like in this I, movie, they're doing some shit in space. Yeah, they're doing a lot of fucking stuff in space, mm-hmm. uh, and it all looks. Not that I was tracking the physics of every movement, but it all is uh, enough to not take you out. I mean, well, I know just... James Gray has talked about because they actually like they because they're of course stuff is on wires and everything, but they like made it so that they tried to as well as they could recreate one sixth gravity because mm-hmm. that's what the gravity on Moon that is must versus be so fucking I, like difficult. that's insane. That's why they had to have like probably a whole like crew of people of scientists to come in there and be advisors on this yeah, thing because you have these speeding moon buggies but, but they like, can't be like they're still kind of like hopping a yeah little. like yeah, they're moving they a little bit fast. slow like and one of my like a really brilliant move that seems obvious but no one had really done it that i know of is during the chase when they just fly off of that crater and you're like oh no they're gonna die and yeah. then they just kind of like slowly <laughs> spin out and fall down you're like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's a that's smart right. use of your surroundings Hell as a yeah. filmmaker that that was a really smart moment all right i think that about does it unless you guys have any Last thoughts on the movie. Um, I love this movie. I think that I'd probably put this at like number two right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I have it at number 10. Yeah, suck my ass, Booksmart. You're out. I don't don't know where it's going to figure in for me. At this moment, it is in my top five. I'm not sure totally where. But like I said, the only times, period, that the movie falters for me are when I feel like they're really telegraphing in the Mm -hmm. message. I did... I just like I I do see that, but that's really like the only fault that I have in this that's movie. That's what I'm saying. Otherwise, so it's I, very it's very good. I movie. did I did find like obviously Brad Pitt is this movie, but I did find some of the other characters to be a little bit flat. Um, I think Ruth Nega just really makes that tiny tiny role a a, a little bit of a flourishing thing in 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 the tiny uh, space that they give her. Uh, Donald Sutherland, kind of, kind of the same. Deal. I like it. I love, I love Donald Sutherland. I wish there was more of him. Exactly, God, that's I hate what that I'm he, saying. Yeah, I well, hate that he left so but the way did, the characters are written I, are just there. There's not that much. There. It's. I mean, it's like all these people are kind of showing up to help propel Brad Pitt right. along his mission. Like yeah. that's kind of what like the Apocalypse purpose of now. them are. Yeah. Exactly. Another yeah. great thing where it's like Apocalypse Now, mm-hmm. but like, and I thought that 
uh, Donald Southern had like amazing heat check performance where he's in like 15 minutes of this movie he's and just so like compelling. kills yeah. it every time he's I on just, screen. I did laugh a little bit when he was like, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I can't go. Can't you see I'm sitting down now? <laughs> You're gonna have to do this alone. Oh no, I did. You gotta I actually, go now without me. I actually love the uh, the crew. I don't know any of their names aside from Fake Beto, um, Beto. However, you, fuck you say Beto. Data O'Rourke. However, that whole crew. I really liked all of them because they seem like they're like buddy with each other. But you can tell like it's at this point in society where like you don't have to be like this like summa cum laude graduate mm-hmm. to be an astronaut or anything so they don't seem like the smartest or the bravest dudes at this point like space is more of an open easier thing they have commercial flights to the moon and shit yeah, like that that was a nice so touch. i i like it's like a subway things yeah, yeah. The moon. dude i love i love and the moon mall <laughs> the moon mall and there there's a little like mini mall on mars too and i love the way that it's like the corporatization yeah of, and it's like because ugly there's a virgin uh thing like a virgin mobile inside of yeah. the uh, inside of the mall and it's like oh that's a good little nod to, they charge him to like 250 dollars for, for the point, pillow yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and then the little other little touch where he like scans it, it's like a fingerprint that he pays yeah yeah so many so many little touches all right well that's ad astra we stand brad pitt he's a hunk piece of Think of an Oscar nom for this. Uh, I would see it more for Once Upon a Time. I I, mean, I think that because yeah, that movie yeah. has the push. I see the whole thing with Ad Astra is like this is technically a Disney movie now, yeah, mm-hmm. because of the Fox acquisition. And I feel like maybe Disney had something to do with the final cut of this movie. I have no idea if that's even true or what kind of influence they had on it. If I don't want to say like James Gray had this movie taken away from him because he doesn't feel that way at all. No, it feels um, like James Gray. But this movie did get pushed back. It was supposed to come out um, a lot yeah. earlier. Yeah. I think last I year. I don't. I mean, I have no idea when production even wrapped on this thing. If it because if it, it would have wrapped before the deal, it was came announced through, in then. 2016 and it shot in 2017. Yeah. So that's like two years removed. So who knows? We might we might see some behind the scenes stories, but I I love the movie. I had issues with it, but I still think it's great. So let us know what you thought at we bought a mic gmail dot com and Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Tell your friends about the pod, recommend it, rate review on iTunes, all that good stuff. Coming up uh October, well we have a big uh, We Fought a Mike coming up should be fun. And then after that, uh, Joker is on the horizon and some other goodies as well. Um, the Good Place is also coming back. So we'll probably talk about oh, that. Yeah. The final season of The Good Place. Any Anything else to add? No. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there on your space travels. We love you. Papa. Bye-bye. Mars ain't the type of place to raise a kid. <laughs>